Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. I'm Jennifer Rogers Markwell, and today we are joined by Mitzi Campbell, who is an educator and a fellow podcaster. So tell us all about you and why you do what you do. Well, um, I have been for the past 25 years of my life, a college professor. Um, always been in education, and I also have degrees in psychology, so I have worked in both of those fields. I've also worked in the arts, and I've decided at 56 years old to make a shift from classical education into entrepreneurship. And so I'm very interested in my own money story and narratives around money that have shaped the way that I viewed my professional life up until now and the way that I would like to hold new views of it. So I definitely want to talk through that. But before we jump there, like that's a big transition. Yes. From, you know, traditional education into entrepreneurship. And those don't always go necessarily as a hand in hand journey. Tell me more about that, if you don't mind. Well, I'm in the throes of it. So I'm right in the middle of it. Um, I'm taking a risk. I'm taking a chance. Um, I have spent the last few years of my life setting myself up so that I had a little bit of a cushion so that I could take the time and do it. And I really want to make changes around the way that I earn money and support myself into the second half of my life, ways that will allow me more freedom. And so that's why I think that's the driving force really behind what I'm doing. As you'll hear, I think that um, growing up, I was a solid lower middle class. And I was just thinking about it in preparation for this podcast that there is a lot of um, honor and a lot of tradition behind those of us who grew up with that sort of values. You work hard, you do well, you provide for your family and you have a good life. You have an okay life, but you're not rich. You're not gonna have that beautiful house. You're not gonna take those fantastic vacations and you're gonna be grateful. And all of that is wonderful. Um, But I I do think that somewhere with that like badge of honor comes a limiting belief. And that at some point you can decide to change that story about what it takes to be successful or to be earning more money or to be living a, a different sort of lifestyle that that's okay too. Was there a spark for you that initially kind of made this happen. And again, I'm hearing a lot of women who are on similar kind of journeys and paths, right? They were doing what they were doing and they're like, yeah, that's not where I feel like I need to be or how I feel like I need to give back. So it it seems like definitely a movement that's happening now, but was there a spark that really kind of ignited your journey, if you will? Uh, Yeah, I I think so. I, I think my shift probably happened when my kids got old enough to leave the house and I found myself in a brand new position. Like I was completely, I could go, I could do anything. I could go anywhere. I could, I was free. 
in that sense. And it's also the first time in my life where I really have to think about how I'm going to take care of myself going forward into this phase of my life and what I want to do to provide for myself and be independent, which I think is really important. I never felt the importance of being independent. I always sort of relied on someone else. Um, I am divorced. And so I spent a lot of time being married, 16 years. And then I spent a lot of time being a single mom over 12, 13 years. And now I'm just me on my own. So um, that was a spark, like knowing that, wow, I really, I, I can do something completely different with my life now. I don't have to be responsible for anybody else except for me. And I could do it the way I want to do it. I love that. That's really powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. Have you forecasted what, like just in your, in your journey of what you want this to look like yet? I want it to look like total freedom. I want it to look like I can live anywhere I want and provide for myself a lifestyle that I'm happy with. You know, just being able to eat what I want, go where I want, um, just normal things, nothing, you know, too extravagant, but just a, a freedom, a peace, um, a, a, an inner joy, you know, and I feel like I have that in a lot of ways. But in order to perpetuate that, you do have to reduce the stress, you know, that comes with not having enough. So that is, you know, my goal to get that to that place where I have established myself in such a way that I can provide that for myself, that I can reinforce that sense of inner peace. And so really living your best life just for you. Yeah. I love that. Well, that goes hand in hand into kind of the money mindset conversation that we like to talk through and money memories. Um, is there a money memory that you had as a younger person or a child that really kind of helped mold your relationship to money as an adult? And also has that evolved since then as well? So it's kind of a, a three-loaded question there. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this um, because my work going forward in my life is all about looking at the life story and examining things in your life story that you can pinpoint patterns, themes, places where you have, have overcome obstacles or still have obstacles. And money is one of those things. I think everybody has something in their life that, uh, you know, that shapes your story around money. And so in going through this in my own life, I had a wonderful family. I grew up in a fantastic family with great parents, but I always felt like we were poor. Um, we were not living in poverty. We were not living in any sort of, um, you know, situation that I know a lot of people have to endure. And so I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, I also knew that we did not live in the fancy neighborhood. Um, and that I, you know, I was always being told things like, oh, we can't afford that. Or, oh, you'll have to save up for that. Or um, you'll have to find a substitute for that brand name pair of jeans you want um, right now, you know, that kind of thing, like, which wasn't bad. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it does always kind of leave you wanting, especially as a child. Um, it leaves you with a sense of, okay, what do I have to do to get to that point where I can just have a, the freedom of walking into a store and getting that, you know, that, that pair of shoes or whatever. Um, it's interesting because you do grow up around a whole different bunch of diverse people. You grow up with people who have more than you, you grow up with people who have less than you. 
And you can have a sense of gratitude for, for being where you are. At the same time, it's natural to have a judgment around wanting a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I, rem I can remember things like just a pervasive sense of that. My mom used to make a lot of my clothes. And so um, I remember, it's funny, I was remembering this story. I remember when we got a Kmart in town. It was a new store in town and it was Kmart. And um, I remember a, a little girl in my class had a shirt and it was just, it had like this patchwork design and I thought it was so cute. And I asked her where she got it. And she said, Kmart. I said, great. <laughs> we have K Kmart is here now. I can go. So I told my mom about this shirt. I wanted to go to Kmart. And, my, and the message was, oh, we can't afford that. We can't just go into Kmart and buy, buy a shirt. And I think looking back, of course, that's very interesting because we think of Kmart as a discount store. And at the time it was too expensive um, or, you know, too expensive in my mom's mind. And you know, just little things like that. But at the same time, I also have extremely fond memories of going into the fabric store where my mom would say, pick out a pattern, go to the McCall's book. And I'd look through all the patterns and I'd pick out a dress pattern and she'd say, okay, let's find some fabric. And we'd go around the store and I'd find this beautiful fabric and she'd make me a dress like out of magic. So there's a lot of really fond memories like that. But at the same time, I wanted to walk into Kmart and get a shirt, you know, like some of the other kids in my class had. So it is kind of a tug. And I think everybody goes through that. Um, you know, things like uh, I remember other kids would go to Disney World and I would say to my dad, well, so-and-so is going to Disney World. Can we go to Disney World? I had no idea, like, you know, how far away it was or what it took to get there. But he always said, yes, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. Well, guess what? We never went. Never went Aww. to Disney and it's okay. Like I, I, I still sort of joke with him about that, you know, but parents will do that. They'll say, yes, we'll, I'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. But, and he, he, my dad, you know, super hard worker. He was in the military and then he worked for the phone company. He had a wonderful job he provided for us so beautifully. Um, but he always traded his time for money. And that's what I was taught that you work in a job where you trade your time for money. Um, and I also grew up in a family where he was the main provider. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful in so many ways. But my mom didn't work until I was a little bit older when she did get a job. And she worked at a department store and did so because she got a 20% discount on the clothes. So she kind of taught us like, okay, you can work in the store to get a discount. So now we can get a discount on the clothes. You know, and I so, you know what I'm saying? It, it kind of creates a limiting belief. And it's interesting when you think about the way stores do that. I think it's actually kind of sinister in a way because they'll say a lot of times to their employees, well, you should be wearing our clothes if you're going to work in our store. So then you have to buy clothes with your money and you'll get a discount on the clothes, but you'll still have to buy them. It's kind of a interesting little wheel, um, I think, of that goes on there. And you get trapped in it. It's like a cycle. You get trapped in it. And, um, I got a lot of beautiful things because of that discount. I did. I had, you know, I could wear the Liz Claiborne sweater and that in the 80s and it was great. But it was still perpetuating a mindset and I did not see it then. Um, and I do see it now. So things like that. Um, and, and like I said, hard work and following a traditional kind of family lifestyle in those days carried a lot of pride. And I, and I am super grateful for that. But it is okay to look back and say, um, even though this was great in so many ways, 
it did create a limiting belief for me um, around what's possible. And I think especially nowadays where you do have to be a little bit more creative, I believe, um, it isn't the type of world where you can work for the telephone company and support your family necessarily anymore as it used to be. And I think those jobs have, have shifted and things have changed. And so your mindset that might've worked for you as a child and work for your family maybe doesn't work in modern times. And that's kind of what I'm seeing now. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you brought up so many great points there. So interesting that you're saying, hey, this was the memory. But now as an adult, you're looking back and saying, oh, okay. So that memory planted seeds that made me think of it a certain way. And I think the interesting pivotal point too is now, now that you're seeing it from your adult eyes and from your own truth, you're able to navigate that differently for what serves you best now. Yes. Um, and I, I believe that by serving yourself well, you are able to serve others and the world. Um, it's like, you know, the, the cliche of putting your oxygen mask on first. You, you do have to be able to serve yourself and, and be in a healthy place in all areas of your life in order to best serve humanity. And I, you know, and I do think that's our purpose. That's, and I know it's my purpose to do things to serve others, but, um, you must be able to serve yourself first in that way. A hundred percent agree on that. One other thing that you said too, that really resonated with me, which I feel like is definitely a thread in a lot of the conversations that I've had on the podcast is the value of time, right? The value of time and the value of your health, I feel like are such important things ultimately yes. where, you know, different people utilize money differently, whether that be as many as your God, which I wouldn't ever recommend that, right? Money is a tool to make sure that you can get the time and the health and the things that are really important to you at the end of the day. And you had mentioned, you know, time and money and how that was definitely something that you saw as a younger child, kind of your dad navigating through that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing I was thinking about um, was that in my family, um, my dad would work, you know, for his job and then he would come home and he would work in the house and he built, um, he, he constructed our home. He, we started in a small home that actually was at one time a chicken coop with the men. He kept um, adding to the home and then we ended up with about double the size from the time that I was a small child and when I got to be a teenager. And he built our house literally with his own two hands and, and had some help along the way. But in my family, you did not hire someone to do things for you in your house. You did your own work. You, mo you mowed your own grass. You, you know, you added on your own rooms. <laughs> you... You did things, um, you know, yourself. You, no one cleaned your house for you, that sort of thing. Um, and I, and I, I know that there was also a lot of pride that my dad and my mom both took in that. But um, at the same time, one of the things I loved when I got old enough was hiring someone to help me with the cleaning so that I could then go do something of value that could maybe serve other people or, you know, do something for my family, that kind of thing. Um, so making that little jump, like, I think I made little jumps like that. As I got older, I was able to, I don't want to call them improvements. They're just, they're just different ways of doing things. And that mindset where, okay, if someone can do this job for me, then I can be freed up to do something else that could then serve humanity in some way or help others or help myself. You know, that's kind of, a, it's a big shift. 
Yeah, for sure. And I love that you said that because that is a big shift, right? Especially when you're like brought up of, do we have money for that? We want to, you know, save our pennies. We want to do all these things. And then now you're kind of farming out different things in your world. But I think, I mean, you said it beautifully too. Like now you're giving the gift of, you know, money to someone else for something that they're helping provide you with. So then you in turn can go out and do beautiful things and make a difference for whatever that looks like as well. So it's I mean, it's almost money like- is currency. It's, I mean, currency is energy, you know, currency, current energy, you know, it's a flow. And, and if you think about it, I don't want to get too woo-woo, but if you think about it from that perspective, the things that you do that block the flow of that money, that currency, that energy, um, they're creating a, a stagnation almost in a way. Like you, you want that to keep flowing. You want to have the belief that it's flowing around, that it can come to you easily, that, that it leaves you and comes back to you easily. Like I'm, I really have to get myself into that mindset. I mean, I'm still in the process of making these shifts in my mind. I think it's a years long process. I think it takes a long time. People don't, and a lot of people don't ever get there. But it really starts with an awareness of saying, like, there's nothing wrong with the way my family did it. It's just if I look at it with honesty and I can kind of pick it apart and see, okay, now I understand, you know, where I might have some blockages. Um, And, you know, and, and you can make changes if you want to. So many good nuggets of like... Quotes that you've shared that should be on t-shirts, right? <laughs> on t-shirts and banners and <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So yeah. another another thing we like to chat through is financial infidelities. And that can be definably different to everyone, quite frankly. It could be something that's happened in your world or someone spent money that you weren't aware of that was shared, whatever that looks like. Um, it could be something that you've witnessed and you're like, oh gosh. Um, but what's a financial infidelity that you've either experienced or seen that you think people could learn from? Um, well, I think a lot of my personal um, financial, I guess, infidelities came from a mindset that had nothing to do with money. Um, I, uh, at a t- there was a time in my life when I was in my early 30s, I had three little kids under five. I was married and um, my mom got cancer. She got sick. And she passed away and it left a hole. Um, I think already at the time I was kind of struggling with being a young mom, trying to navigate all that, you know, having that, that lifestyle. Um, but then losing my mother at that point in time, I was very lost and I didn't know it. So I was kind of grieving not grieving. I was kind of just pushing on, soldiering on, you know, doing the mom things, running the household, all of that. And at the same time, trying to fill a void. And so I was married to someone who was doing very well. And I started spending money. And man, I I could go to Neiman Marcus and cause some damage. And I could, um, you know, I could go to the mall and get things for my children and get things for me. And I could just every day, that's what I would do. I would go to a, not every day, but you know, a lot of the time, that's what, that would be my activity. I would go to the store, um, trying to fill, fill, fill. And I didn't know that this is what I was doing. And I do think that when you have other areas of your life that you're not addressing, that that can have ramifications in your financial life. 
And I think that's what was happening to me. Of course, I did not realize this for many years until many years later. Um, but it was a it was a bone of contention in my marriage. Um, every month, I would you know cringe when the American Express bill came because I knew I was going to get a lecture, and yet I was I could not stop. I was trying to fill this void. Um, eventually, you know, obviously, things were I I got things under control. Um, no longer married to that person, also, which you know, and that that did have something to do with it. Um, although he lives a much more lavish lifestyle than I do at this point in my life. So it's interesting though, um, you know, the way that money can be used to try to fill a void. And, and so that's my financial infidelity kind of story that I was using money to try to fill a hole in myself and didn't realize it at the time. Thank you so much for sharing that and that raw vulnerability as well. So thank you. Yeah. Before we kind of wrap things up, I always like to ask in your household, what are some tips and or tricks that you use to utilize money differently? I have spent the past few years kind of setting myself up so that I have things running in a way that I can live on very little money. So it it works. It's It's kind of interesting going from the story I just told. But I, um, when my, when my kids got older, uh, and they all kind of left the house, this is right before the pandemic. Um, I knew that it was time for me to, it was a good time for me to sell that house. I didn't need a, a large space anymore. And so I ended up, um, selling and moving into a duplex where I was living in the upstairs and renting out the downstairs. So I have a tenant in my home that I live in the home with. And because of that, um, I have very low expenses. So I think, you know, the thing that's given me the most financial freedom in my life as I've gotten older is making opportunities to try to invest in things that reduce my necessity for, um, you know, my living expenses and also can provide a little bit of passive income and give me the the cushion and the freedom that I was talking about to be able to live my lifestyle a little bit more freely. So I, that's for me, that's what I do. I have set up my life where I'm living in a very small space. I mean, of course, you need to have that point in your life where you're able to do that. And I'm very comfortably not having to, you know, I can I can live without having to spend a lot. So it works really well for me. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you for all of you that are listening and hopefully you'll join us again on the next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management. 